You can be seated. We're glad that you're here. See a couple uh, new faces that are here with us this morning. I'm Pastor Garrett, and you are at the 11 o'clock service. You have had your coffee. You are ready to go, and uh, we're just happy you're here and believe God's going to speak to you and do a work in your life. Terrell, man, I'm happy you're here this morning. God's doing an amazing work in your life, and uh, just it's, it's great to see you. And all of you, just open up your hearts this morning is, I believe, truth. Aren't you thankful when you encounter truth, how it can heal, how it can bring confidence, how it can bring structure into our lives? God's word is honest. Who, who knows God's word is honest? Sometimes can be a little too honest about our condition, and then we wrestle with it, and we're like, what have I gotten myself into? But it's, the, it's God's word is what sets us free, and it's the word that is spoken to generation after generation, it's lasting, it's true, it's the infallible word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you're here for the first time, we are in our third week in our series through the book of Ephesians. So if you are not caught up, we're starting on chapter 3. Uh, read through it, get the, get the meat of it, get the heart of it. Anybody been taking Ephesians and reading it in your quiet time? Awesome, awesome. Well, I believe that uh, we're going to take a step deeper and we're going to see how we respond to affliction. If you're taking notes, the title of the message this morning is I Am Afflicted. Last week we looked at of how we are saved. This week we're going to look at how to respond to affliction. See, in our walk with Christ, Christ doesn't promise an easy life, uh, a, a gold-plated road in this earth that we can just walk and experience all these blessings. There's a part of that, but there is affliction, there is suffering, there is pain that we have to walk through. But here's what Jesus says. He says, take heart. You have troubles in this life, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You have power where you can say, I never would have made it in my own streak, but when I leaned into my identity in Christ, I can make it through. And I pray that, as this is a subject where there's some of you that are going through affliction right now. There's some of you who have been through affliction, and then there's maybe pain or suffering on the horizon that if we can strengthen ourselves through the Word of God, if we can lean into the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a strength where when everything comes against you, when things come around you, when circumstances are out of your control, you're not going to crumble, your life is not going to crumble, but you're going to lean in and the power of God is going to come up in you, through you, and all around you and be your strength. Because we don't build our lives on the sand, we build it on the rock. And this morning, we're going to look of how, how affliction, which means pain and suffering, is not going to take us out of the will of God. But we are going to grow through it, and we're going to see what Paul says this morning. He's our pastor. He's preaching to us of what he says in Ephesians 3. So I'm going to read the word to you, and then I want to break it uh, apart and pull uh, truth out that you can build your life on. Aren't you thankful that you can build your life on the truth, that it's not something fleeting, or if I try this, then I got to try something? No, when you get the word of God in you, it is eternal, and you can see the temporary through the eternal. That's what words, the word of God is. You can see your temporary through the eternal word of truth. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. 
if, I, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So we see Paul is suffering. He is a prisoner. He has put himself in this place to suffer so that the gospel, the good news of Jesus can get to the Gentiles. It says, how that by the revelation, he made known to me the mystery. If you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, you know this mystery. As I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. So it's saying in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, this mystery, people had ideas and the prophets spoke of it, but now the mystery is here and now it's revealed. Verse six, that the Gentiles, here's the mystery, should be fellow heirs, that Christianity is for everyone of the same body and partake of his promises in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Anybody thankful for the affecting work of God's power in your life? Verse eight, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see that is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, anybody a little stronger, anybody a little wiser, we were singing that this morning, that it might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and we have access, we have confidence through faith in him. Here it is. Here's really Paul's takeaway. He says, therefore, I ask, as you're being persecuted, as you're going through trials, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. As we pray again, Father, we just come before you. As we chew on the word, as we meditate on this, Father, I pray right now for those that are experiencing affliction, those that are battling disease in their body, those that are seeing relationships unravel around them. Maybe a marriage is on the rocks or kids, there's rebellion in their children, whatever it looks like, Father, these affliction, these pain, these suffering that we deal with on an everyday basis, Father, let us find your truth. Let us find how to maneuver through this. God, we love you, and we thank you, we thank you that you are our strength, that you're our rock this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. So I am afflicted. You know, as you have to understand where Paul's coming from through this. As is, is Paul is writing this, he is, as it says in verse 1, he is a prisoner for Christ. Now, Paul as a prisoner was not put in prison for murdering someone, for uh, doing these terrible things. He was put in prison because he was preaching Jesus. So the, the Romans had had it up to here with him. So they decided to throw him into prison to shut him up. Now, Paul's testimony, and as we just read, Paul uh, was purposely suffering so that the Gentiles may know Jesus Christ. And as Paul is suffering... If you go and you research ancient Christianity and you see of what a jail cell in that time would be, it would be roughly a six by six hole in the ground that 
Paul potentially could be in somewhere in Rome. And they would just uh, sometimes put two men in, in, in a cell at a time for torture reasons. And there was nowhere to go to the bathroom. So this is where Ephesians was written in this context. And whatever piece of paper, whatever something he could scratch down, he begins to write this letter to the Ephesians. It's not like Paul is sitting at his grand desk with coffee and just meditating, listening to a little Marvin Sapp. No, he is in a jail cell writing this book. And the thing is, 2,000 years later, it pastors us, it preaches to us, and it shows us how to do this thing called Christianity and how to live in Christ. And so Paul's heart is going out to this young church, this new church in Ephesus, because they're growing weary. Their apostle, the one who has been sent, their pastor, is locked up, and they are freaking out, and they have no idea what to do. And so Paul is trying to get this message out to them, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And so we see that affliction can come and touch all of our lives, as we've been talking about. And how we handle affliction says a lot. How we handle affliction really determines how we go through the pain and the suffering that's in our life. Because we all know what's going to come. And here's the temptation. The temptation is of how to deal with it is if we can just praise Jesus till we feel better, if I can just feel better about my situation, then it'll go away. But the word of God, it gives you the power, as we've been saying, to deal with your reality. Many of us try to self-medicate. We try to escape from our realities and create something else. But the word of God actually gives you medicine so that your reality can be how you can be an image bearer. You can be all that God's created you to be. How many of you want your reality to be affected by the gospel, by the power of God? That we don't want to live a fictitious life, but we want to live and be and do all God has called us to do. You know, you read in the book of Job, if you've been through affliction, you're going through affliction, Job is a great place to start. Um, and what you see through Job is Job's wealth is taken away, his, his homes, his, his lands, his family, his children. And he stands there literally with nothing and, and disease on his body and, and trying to process this. He had, it says he had a group of friends that came up and said, Job, is there sin in your life? Is this why this is happening? You know, when many people go through affliction, is usually there's a misdiagnosis. The easy route to say why this person has gone through affliction is, well, is there sin in your life? Is that why this is happening to you? But that's just a shallow, you, you can't go there. And what we're going to see, and this is probably going to be a, the longest introduction I've given into a message, but I want to breeze through quickly, and I'll post these later on, on our website, but there's 14 different cases of affliction that you can find yourself in. And I want you to be able to look at your season of life or look at a future season of life and say, okay, I can put my finger on it. This is what I'm going through. This is how I can react. This is how I can grow through it. This is how I can help others. And this is how I can reflect the glory of God in my pain and in my suffering. Because painful moments really determine a lot about our lives. And it determines what's in us. The testing of our faith usually happens when things come into our life that we weren't ready for, out of our control, sickness, disease, relationships breaking. And so Paul is trying to encourage this church, and he's encouraging you and I of how to process and deal with affliction. The first is our fallen nature affliction. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down, but we'll make them available later on. 
our fallen nature affliction is we have to know we live in a fallen world. Because of the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve, we deal with disease, we deal with death. Women, you deal with childbirth. There's these things that because of a sinful nature that we inherited, that we have to one day make a decision to put our faith in Jesus and then begin to walk in Christ and begin to learn what it means to put on a new nature and to put on Jesus. So we deal with this fallen nature affliction that touches and affects every area of our life. So we have to be aware of it. Number two is there's a punishment affliction. There's an affliction for those who one day who have not put their faith in Jesus will have to stand before God and give an account of their lives. And everything that they've done, they will be judged for because they have not put on Christ and not made Jesus as their Savior through the cross. And so we know that those who are outside of Christ, the wrath of God will afflict them. Number three, there's consequential affliction. And this is really where a lot of us fall. Anybody ever made a stupid decision before and you had to deal with a consequence? We reap what we sow. So there's these consequences. Affliction can come because of consequences. If you drink your liver out, guess what? You're going to have a liver problem. If you eat unhealthy food all the time, you're going to deal with health problems in your body. If you make fullest decision after fullest decision, then guess what? You're going to be dealing with the consequences of that. But aren't you thankful that Jesus paid the price for our affliction, where even when we make mistakes, when we mess up, we can turn and run and the affliction, the pain, the suffering that we are due, the grace of God can heal, set us free, and put us back in right standing with God. I love it. Number four is demonic affliction. This is torment. This is a physical injury. This is deception arising of false prophets and false miracles, accusations. This is if you've ever been where you've woken up in the middle of, of the night and you've ever felt a choking experience where there's just demonic influence trying to pull you down, pull you out, and torment you over decisions you're trying to make. Number five is a victim affliction. Victim affliction is simply this. It's a child who at a young age experienced some sort of physical abuse. They couldn't control the affliction that was happening to them and so they became a victim of someone sinning against them. A lot of us, maybe in your childhood, or you've experienced someone who's done something to someone in your family that you didn't have control over, and they became a victim of an affliction. Number six is a collective affliction. Y'all didn't know there was this many afflictions, did you? This is when we suffer as a result of being part of a people who are suffering. We see people groups all over the world who are suffering because of the color of their skin or the race or the heritage that they come from, what they were born into. So there's this collective oppression or affliction against them. Number seven is a disciplinary affliction. This is where we can find ourselves as well. I've experienced this in my life, where it's the chastisement of the Lord for believers. And this is really where Paul finds himself too. Because when we're in a disciplinary affliction, God is maturing us. He's humbling us. He's getting the old nature off of us. It's just like when I was sent to the principal's office. The principal disciplined me to mature me so I wouldn't do it again. Amen, Miss Jenny. There's my principal right there. <laughs> she did great. Look, look what happened to me. So it worked. <laughs> Number eight is a vicarious affliction. 
And that's sometimes that those are in Christ suffer because the ungodly oppose them. You work in a secular workplace and you have a boss who knows you're a Christian and can't stand you. So that boss is gonna make sure you get the farthest parking spot in the lot. He's gonna make sure you're the last to eat in the cafeteria and you're gonna get the broken computer. Come on, anybody ever been there before where you deal with people who just can't stand you because you follow Jesus, because you're a Christian, let alone you are vocal about your faith. So there's this vicarious affliction. Number nine, which is an affliction that we're to burden with one another. And this is empathetic affliction, where we're to show empathy with each other. And this is an affliction that should be happening in the church, where if uh, Delachey is going through something and Pam catches wind, then Pam can come over and give empathy to Delachey and walk through that affliction with her. And so we empathize with one another in the church because we're family. We're not a crowd. We're a family. We're a community. We care for one another. We help each other find healing. We pray for one another. We believe disease can leave our body. We believe crazy things like God can move in powerful ways when everyone says he can't. I'm telling you, there's power when we come together and come behind one another. Number 11 is a providential affliction. God puts, us, puts you in a place, maybe it's in your finances, where you feel tested, where maybe you're tested to tithe, or maybe you're tested uh, to give. God puts on your heart that you're to bless someone, and he does that to show you that he is your source, that he is your provider. And anytime you respond to that test, don't you love, because you always see him come through, and he goes above and beyond for you when you trust him, that he is your ultimate source, he is your provider. Number 12 is a preventative affliction. This affliction can look as you begin to have a sharp pain in your body and you get the sense that I need to go to the doctor. You go to the doctor, you find out your spleen is ruptured or your appendix needs some work and that preventative pain saves you from having to deal with more pain in your appendix so the appendix can therefore be removed, therefore it's preventative. Anybody thankful for preventative pain that says, you are in pain, you need help, go get help. And it saves you from a further affliction. Number 13 is mysterious affliction. Now, honestly, this is where a lot of things fall. We can't explain our pain, our suffering away just by reading a book. I mean, there's so many things that go into the pain, the affliction, the suffering we deal with in our lives. So there's a mystery attached to it as well. So you have to know that. Scripture even says in 1 Corinthians that right now we see in part, but then when we go to be with Jesus, everything will make sense. And so there's this mystery attached to the affliction that we deal with. And as a pastor, as someone who wants to have the answers, sometimes it's tough just to say, hey, I have no idea. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. My heart breaks for you. I want to give you the answer, but I just don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know, and pray about it, because he knows. Number 14, and we find ourselves, because we are the church in the last days, is the apocalyptic affliction. And this is, we don't know when the end of the age will be, or when Jesus will return, but what we do know is that Christians living in the final chapter of human history will suffer greatly as a result of when Christ's return comes near. Christians will be persecuted as the return of Christ begins to be set in place. And so we see that even as a church, 
if we're not being persecuted, if everything's just going right in your life all the time, then you kind of need to step back and evaluate because they said that they hated Jesus first. So don't be surprised if when you live out the gospel, when you walk in truth, that you're not gonna get some haysayers and you're not gonna have haters sliding in on your Instagram, not liking what you're doing. It happens. So these are the 14 afflictions. And really when we go through affliction, does anyone ever ask why? Does the question, why God is this happening? Why is this disease in my body? Why did I have my third miscarriage? Why is my marriage where it's at after 25 years? Why, why, why? We ask God why all the time. But here's the thing, when we ask God why, it's as if we put him on on trial, we put ourselves as the judge, and we try to get answers out of God. That's really not how it works. What the question is we need to ask, and what I pray that you begin to ask is, as you go through tough times in your life, is who? Not why, but who? What I mean by that is asking the who of, who is God? Is he good? Is his word true? And who am I? What is my identity? What does it mean to walk in Christ? Because when you begin to ask the who, the why begins to answer itself. It's amazing. But we can't get the two backwards. David even says this as he experienced much affliction, much pain, much suffering in his life. He says in Psalms 119, 46 through 50, he says, I will speak of your testimonies before kings and I will not be ashamed I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statues. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Verse 50, this is my comfort and my what? And my affliction. For your word has given me life. The word of God illuminates every part of your life but it's up to us to open it, to get in it, to know it, because when you know it, you know yourself. You know what you were created to do. You hear the voice of God. The scriptures jump out on the page. You hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, because here's what we say. We say, if we find ourselves in a season of pain, suffering, affliction, is we kind of think Christianity isn't working, or we think God isn't working, or God is, is distant from us because this is my junk and my pain that I'm going through right now. But it's the exact opposite. Because when you know Jesus, he is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to those that cry out to him. And that's why this was David's prayer, that you're my comfort in my affliction. You're not the one causing the affliction, but you're my comfort through it. Many of us are always quick to blame God. We're always quick to blame God. But as we went through, there's so much affliction that happens in our life because of the world we live in, because of the things that happen. God is not the one to blame. He's the one we're to lean into and get to know him so that we can go get through it. And here's the thing. Honest saints, honest people will say when they go through affliction and come on the other side of it is, you know what? I didn't wish it upon myself. I would never wish it upon anyone, but I learned so much through it. Anybody ever been in that place before? You hate it at the time. You want nothing to do with it. A few years later, pass down the road, and you see, okay, God, you did that during it, and you brought me through this. You were with me. I never would have made it, but now I'm stronger, and I'm wiser. We have to begin to change our perspective on when trials come into our life. You read in uh, Scripture, 
where it says, consider it pure joy. When's the last time you've considered it pure joy when you go through many trials and many tribulations in your life? The word of God is full of, of our attitude response toward pain and suffering. And so again, we, we jump back into Ephesians and we look at what Paul is trying to say to us. And if you're taking notes, number one is this, is we are afflicted for others' good. We see this as a theme through the scripture we just read, that Paul is a prisoner. He's put himself in this place of suffering so that the Gentiles who are lost, who don't know the gospel, that this mystery would be revealed to them. Parents, talking with a lot of you and seeing how you love your children, you put your place in a place of affliction so that your kids can have more and know more and do more than you ever have done. You sacrifice, you put yourself down, you open up your home, you pay for student tuition, you buy all these things, you take on these burdens so that your kids can have more. There's power when you lay something down in your life so that somebody else can experience God or someone else can experience a blessing. You serve. And so we see Paul serving in the middle of his affliction. And we're going to see in a minute of how someone like Paul could do this. Because here's the thing. He caused great affliction upon God's people. He afflicted the Jews. He persecuted. He murdered. He was a Pharisee who thought the teachings of Jesus were pure heresy. And so now Paul, who afflicted so many, is now being afflicted himself. But it's volunteer. He's putting himself in this place to be afflicted. And so we see he wants this mystery to be revealed. You have to think of, of, of how we're to take the gospel out. That the gospel is still a mystery to many people. The people you work with, the people and even in your family, this gospel, this Jesus, the cross, grace is a mystery to many people. They might say they're a Christian, but really do they understand and are they walking in the new nature that they have? So you carry this mystery and you're called to take it out and to share it and to live it. And when you do, the mystery no longer becomes a mystery, but it becomes revelation and it becomes power for that person's life. And God's put it within you and he's given you the manual of how to walk it out. And so we have to ask ourselves this question is how can we use, because this begins to change our perspective in it when we're walking through it, is how can we use our affliction to help others know Jesus or to help others grow to know Jesus? I look and when I hear testimonies or stories, maybe your marriage was on the rocks somewhere and you saw the power of God come in and change your heart and, and, and heal. Well, guess what? There's people, other people maybe younger or who are new in marriage that are gonna go through tough times where you'll have a testimony where then you can go and share what you've learned and help someone through their pain, through their suffering, through their affliction. You see how your testimony begins to work? In Revelation, it also says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Never underestimate your testimony. Never underestimate your story. It touches and it changes lives. And as I said, the word of God is honest. We see Paul being very honest as you read the scriptures. There's this, there's this facade that we can get caught up in as Christians where we don't want to be too honest, where we don't want to share too much. But when we get honest, how many of you, when someone was honest with you, did you respect them less or did you respect them more? 
Usually you respected them more because they were being vulnerable with you. They were opening up because they loved you. They were taking a risk in trusting you with their vulnerability. So Paul is risking it all as you read through the epistles and you see his heart and you see his honesty. So how can we use our affliction to help others, to show the good, goodness of God? The thing is too, your affliction costs you greatly. You've been through tough seasons of your life. It is a great cost to it. You walk through. You, sometimes you can barely get up. Sometimes your body's in so much pain, you don't even know what to do. Your affliction has a great cost, so why not invest it? Why not get the most out of it? Don't just wail and weep and scream and cry. Grow through it. Learn, get in the word of God and see what he says about it and how you can get to know the heart of God for what you're going through. Secondly, it gives you powerful credibility. You've gone through something, guess what? You have a credible story where you can really help someone because you went through it firsthand. And the thing is, as I go through this, again, it's very heavy. And everyone's story, everyone's affliction looks different. And I don't want to undermine it. Because what we're going to see, Paul says, don't lose heart. He doesn't say, you can't grieve, you can't scream, you can't cry. You can't have those moments of just, God, what is going on? But he says, in the process of all of it, you cannot lose heart. And we're going to break that down in a second. You're suffering is an opportunity for your objective as well. God puts objectives and, and things around you where your suffering can speak to people's lives. And it's time we get be honest about it. It's okay to say you're not okay. It's okay to, to say, you know what? This is a tough season. This is a hard life. My kids, goodness, someone help me. It's okay to be honest. Don't fake it till you make it. Be honest. Embrace your reality and allow the power of God to go to work. We have to ask these questions as well. Of what have I been through? What am I going through? And what is God teaching me? You know, that's the heart of, as we've started this journey of small groups, that you would get in community, you would get uh, real and vulnerable with each other, and you would discuss messages like this, or you would get in book studies and get the meat of what God is trying to say. Christianity is not a a relationship of an island. You do life together. You work through things together. God puts people and pastors and Christians around you to help walk you through your affliction, your pain, your suffering. Number two, if you're taking notes, is you're afflicted for your growth. You're afflicted for your growth. You know, Paul was very prideful. He was very cocky. He was a Pharisee. He knew what was up. He knew what to say. He could point anyone out and say, this is your sin. This is what the law says. You know, a little known fact about Paul too is the first uh, martyr in the Bible we see is Stephen, how he was murdered and uh, martyred for staying true to the gospel. It's said that Paul oversaw the, the martyr of Stephen. So again, you have to understand where, what Paul did and where he came from. And so we see that Paul was a man very cocky. He was uh, on the road to Damascus to begin to persecute Christians, and uh, a, a light blinds him. He falls off his horse. He's on the ground blinded, and Jesus talks to him and, and says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? 
And in that, his name was changed to Paul. His mission was changed. He had a salvation experience. And so we see here, look at what he says uh, in verse 8. He says, to me who is less than the least of the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so he's speaking out of humility. So through his suffering, humility, he has been humbled. He has matured. This is what was happening as Paul was in these places, as he was in these prisons, as he was laying his life down as a bridge so that Gentiles could begin to know Jesus. There's a maturity that happened. Anybody, when you've been afflicted or you've gone through seasons, you have grown. You have become strong. This happens when we get the right perspective for our affliction, for our pain, for our suffering. He says, I'm the least of all the saints. His self-awareness increased. His self-awareness, because here's what happens when we start walking with God. We begin to say, I know the word of God. I know the truth. I'm good. I can hear the Holy Spirit. And we get just a sense of spiritual pride in our lives. Where Paul is, what we see here, he is very aware of his weakness. He is very aware of his human nature. And that if he does not put on Christ, he is not worth a thing. And that's for you and I. Without Christ... We're not going to be able to make it in life. We might get so far, but then we fall, and it all comes crashing down. We've built our life on the sand. We're spiritually bankrupt. So he had this self-awareness, and he grew. He became humble. He sees himself in the light of his Savior. Number three, if you're walking through affliction, is we're afflicted for God's glory. Glory simply means to reflect. We know Jesus suffered greatly and even just suffered in his ministry, what he preached, what he taught. Many left, they couldn't handle it. They didn't like what he had to say. And so Paul, in essence, is identifying even with the sufferings of Christ. And so he's afflicted for the glory of God. He's reflecting Jesus. I can tell you as the Romans were seeing Paul and his attitude when he was tortured and and beaten in this prison and how he turned the other cheek as Jesus taught and how he prayed for the forgiveness of those that were persecuting him. I can tell you they began to see something completely different. Here's what you need to know about your witness. When you begin to pray for those who are persecuting you, when you begin to pray for those who don't like you, guess what? Something in you changes. That person might not change, but you change. And you don't allow what they think, feel to affect you because you're praying for they know not what they do. They're praying, you're praying because your identity in Christ is secure. And that's what Paul is trying to get into this church is you have to put your identity in me or it's not going to work. You have to get strong in me or you're not going to make it. Here's what he says, verse 11. He says, according to the eternal purpose, which he has accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, we see this theme through Ephesians is that it's in Christ, it's in him. It's by him, it's for him. Verse 12, in whom we have boldness, we have access with confidence through faith in him. Here it is again. Here's this takeaway. As you're going through this affliction, as you're being afflicted for others, as you're being afflicted for growth, as you're being afflicted for God's glory. It says, as you're going through the pain and the suffering, You cannot lose heart. If you've ever looked at a Christian and they just had a glaze over their eyes, they've 
experienced suffering, they've experienced pain, you can tell that they've lost heart and something has just died in them. Where Paul is saying, you're gonna go through things, but don't let something die in you. Don't lose heart. Don't lose your joy. Don't lose the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Don't become numb to this life. Because the truth is, when, when you lose heart, then basically you live at a place where you're just numb to everything. And what begins to happen? The number one prescribed drug in America is antidepressants. We live in a culture in a world that is depressed. And they look for self-medicating, whether it's an antidepressant, whether it's alcohol, whether it's some drug or some fun or a vacation, good things but that cannot self-medicate us. It has to be the word of God when we go through the toughest seasons of our life. We have to reflect him in our sufferings. And as it says that there's those in the heavenly places that are watching. When you suffer, people watch. Your kids watch. Those that you work with watch. What's your attitude like? Where's your faith at? Because here's what happens when we experience suffering it's this temptation where everything just crumbles, we retreat, we isolate, we get really selfish with ourselves and we just, we want to sit in a corner and cry. That's okay to grieve for a season, but then you have to get up out of it and begin to put your faith into action because you'll never conquer it if you don't faith it. Amen. Reflect God's glory, reflect the heart of Jesus in your suffering. And again, it says, it doesn't say anything, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to cry, but you have don't let yourself lose heart. Don't lose the fight. Some of you need to know that it's time to fight again in your marriage. It's time to fight again for your children. It's time to get the fight, get the spirit of God back in you to get after it, to get at it. Stop allowing your circumstances to define your day, to define your attitude. Stop allowing the person that you're trying to impress who doesn't even see you, what he says, thinks, whether he likes, doesn't like, Turn it off. Shut it down. Get in the word of God. It's important what he says about you because that's what's internal. We see our temporary through the eternal. God gives us that. The thing with Paul as well. This is good preaching this morning, isn't it? I love it. We love you online, by the way. We're glad you're here. And if you're being afflicted because it's too cold in Florida, we're praying for you. So what we see through Paul again is he lost his health. I'm sure his health in that hole was awful. He was dealing with, I'm sure, mental psych psychosis. I'm sure he could have easily gone crazy when you're isolated. So all these external parts of his life were being touched and affected. But because he was so rooted in Christ, because he knew his identity in Christ, he could go through anything. Sean, if you put that quote up on the screen, I want you to see this because this is how we're to live through our affliction. Your affliction doesn't establish your identity, but your identity will get you through your affliction. You're not defined by what happens to you, but it's who you are in Christ that gets you through what is happening to you. It's amazing. It changes us. It gives you a security. It gives you a knowing. It gives you a confidence that you can walk through anything. And while people are watching, they're being blessed because they're like, however this person is getting through this, I want to know what their secret is. Because we all deal with junk and we all deal with suffering. So why not model as Jesus did of how to walk through it? 
And as you walk through it, you watch as the miracle is on the other side of it. It might not be the outcome you thought, but you're in Christ, you're in God. So it's going to come the way that he desires because Romans says that all things, every single thing, pain, suffering, good, bad, work out together for those who love Christ. So you have this assurance in your life. Pam, if you would come, I want to pray for you wherever you find yourself this morning. As we get real practical, as you walk through this, one, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with others. You have to talk about it. Men, we're bad about this. Sometimes we have to open up and talk about what we're going through with our wives or talk about what you're going through with someone you trust. Ladies, don't nudge them. (laughs) Number three is, and I've learned this in marriage, is comfort is sometimes better than giving an answer. Sometimes it's good just to go and put your arm around that person and just comfort them. Don't just try to give an answer or say, let's open her Bibles and see what, just comfort them right there. Comfort. Comfort, ministry of availability goes a long way. Sometimes just being available, crying with someone, weeping, just saying it's going to be okay. What that can do can almost bring an answer to that person because they just simply feel like somebody cares and is going through it with them. That empathy affliction. And so this morning as we pray, if you would just bow your heads, if you would just reflect on your life, most importantly, if you would just ask the Holy Spirit right now, what is my identity rooted in? How am I responding to the pain in my life? Am I running from God or am I running to God? How can I grow from this? How can I help someone through this? And how can I reflect the glory of God in my life? Father, we thank you that you see everything that happens in our life, that you care for us. You cared for us so much that you gave us Jesus. You gave us your one and only son. You cared for us so much that you just didn't shout, hey, here's how you fix it. You became us. You went through everything we've gone through and worse. And you paid the price for us so that we don't have to be defined by it, so that we don't have to stay afflicted, but we can walk through it and trust you through it and whatever that looks like. God, right now we put our identity in Christ. I pray that you would deposit grace for our race, that we would be in this pace of trusting you, Father, that you're our security, you are our identity. Father, we focus on you. And I pray as Holy Spirit, you're ministering to each and every one of us in the season of life that we are in, that you're going to give solution. You're going to illuminate the path we're to walk. You're going to bring people around us to encourage us, and you're going to put us around people to encourage. God, we're a family. We bleed together. We hurt together. We walk through life together. No one in this room is alone. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that we never would have made it if it wasn't for your intervention into our life. If you're here this morning, maybe it's your first time, maybe this message has just struck a chord and you've never experienced grace in your life. You've never made a decision where I want to put myself in Christ. 
Maybe you find yourself where you have backslidden, you've just stepped out of the grace of God because you were so hurt by something, you begin to blame God and you begin to say, I'm gonna figure this out on my own. The Bible says you're building your life on the sand and he desires for you to build on the rock so when the waves come and crash against you, you're gonna have staying power, you're gonna have strength and you're gonna have everything you need to walk through whatever storm comes your way. If that's you this morning and you've never made a decision to put yourself in Christ, to say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I wanna be in you. I wanna walk as you walked. I want you to heal this sin issue in my life. I want your strength for affliction. Maybe you've backslidden and you wanna get right with God this morning. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at and I wanna pray with you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Terrell. I see that hand. God bless you. Well, Terrell, man, I want to pray with you. And we as a church want to pray with you. So if you would just meet me right here, it says that if you don't confess me before men, then I can't confess you before my Father. So there's something powerful about a public display where you say, I want Jesus in my life. And we're here as the church. We're here as the saints to encourage you that this is a hospital for our brokenness. So Terrell, right where you are, if you would just stand up, I want to pray with you. If you would stretch forth your hands toward this man. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for his life.